Alrighty, are you ready for episode eight? Yeah, let's kick it off. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Malt House Games Podcast. I am Haley, host, co-host. What am I? The best host? Whichever host you want to be. All the host. The hostess. Because I'm hosting you at this podcast. <laughs> God, you're never going to let me start this again, are you? Nope, not at all. Anyway, welcome, everyone. My name is Delton. This is Haley. She wanted to do the intro today. And I said, that's fine. I did great. I don't really know where to go from here. So it was awesome. Welcome to episode eight of the Malthouse Games podcast. We are a tabletop games podcast. We talk about board games, card games, sometimes RPGs, different things like that, while we always drink a nice beer. So today, our first beer is New Belgium Fat Tire, one of our favorites. A classic beer that we just got in Oklahoma this last year. Yes, we did in 2017. So that's been great. It's a 5.2 alcohol by volume Belgian style ale. Kids these days just don't even know. About a year ago, I would have to make a three hour drive across the Texas border to get some fat tire. And here's the thing all of the counties that surround Oklahoma, all the Texas counties are dry counties. So not only did you have to make it into Texas, but you had to make it into a Texas county that served this beer. It's the worst. Oklahoma has some of the most outdated prohibitions uh, era laws and it's just terrible we're finally getting good beer though as of 2017 and we're going to be getting more good beer in 2018 because later this year we get cold storage i believe is changing which will change distribution as well there's a bunch of stuff coming so basically we will be able to get a lot of new awesome beer in the words of bob dylan the times they are a changing they sure are which is awesome for us because we like good beer amen so now we're going to take a small sip. Oh yeah, episode 8 kicked off. And Fat Tire is good as always. So lately, we haven't been doing too much. This week, Haley had a stomach bug. So she was decommissioned for about 48 hours. So we didn't play any games or anything like that. It was pretty lackluster around the house. But luckily, we got to play some games last night with a couple of friends. Yeah, I think we more than made up for our two days without games just in yesterday. We've already made a pretty good dent in a few of our 10 by 10s Yeah, we played a couple of them again. Um, I've been really enjoying Century Gollum Edition. That one's been a lot of fun, and everyone seems to like it. It's pretty simple. I can see it sometimes being fiddly with the engine building, depending on how you view it, but once you play it a few times, it really flows. I officially have the record for the highest score and the lowest score. Yes, she does, which is amazing, because I usually have the lowest score, so it's nice. I won a couple of weeks ago with a 96 points, and last night I lost with a total of 39 points, something like that. 39 or 36, yeah. I, it was super low, but in my defense, after about 10 o'clock in the evening, my brain shuts down, and we started playing that about 11.30. It's just like this fun story. Actually, I have two fun stories to tell. So I get excited when I get a new game. I always want to play it, I want to break it out, I want to punch all the cardboard, I want to look at the cards, I want to get it set up, and I want to play it, like immediately. One day, in my old apartment, this was years ago now, well, how long was that ago? 2013? Yeah, I think it was, so, almost five years ago. Probably five years ago now, I get Mansions of Madness, which is an awesome game for people who like the horror genre and kind of the dungeon diving, you know, we're going to go find clues and things like that. 
Well, I had this game set up. Well, I didn't have it set up. I was setting it up, reading the rule book, going through everything, trying to get it ready for me and Haley to play. I get it set up. I look over and she is sitting straight up in her chair asleep at the table. So I packed the game up and I very frustratedly put it back on the shelf <laughs> to come out, out later that weekend. Hey, when you go to say the second story, keep in mind that that incident happened before we were even engaged, let alone married. And so you knew what you were getting into whenever you married me. So let that be the backdrop for this second story I know he's about to tell. Story number two. I bought a gigantic game called Terra Mystica. I had been wanting it. I heard it was fantastic. We love Agricola, and we like Settlers of Catan okay now. It was better back then. But we loved this Euro-style, heavier game, so I picked up Terra Mystica. It looked amazing to me. Everything I read about it, it was highly rated on the Board Game Geek rating system. So I decided to get it. I was setting it up one day, explaining the rules. I looked down at the rule book. I kind of read through a little bit of a section, read it out loud to Haley making sure that she understands what she's doing. Look up, and again, she is asleep at the table, and it's like 10.30 at night. Needless to say, I did not know what was going on. She had no understand. clue. <laughs> she had no clue. So again, we broke it out that weekend. Then she got it, because we started at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon, but great game. We actually enjoyed it, and she got it. But I have learned if it's like 9 o'clock, just avoid any games that are teaching and avoid any games that have any sort of length to them. So you can't even be mad at the second one because you knew exactly how my brain works by that point. I do, but I, I, I mean, I can hope it's changed, right? Right? I gave up hope that you would change like four years ago. Oh, burn. I have to drink more for that one. <laughs> but Haley does. She fades. Last night, I'm proud of her. She made it till almost one o'clock. I believe the last game we played was Century Gollum Edition. Define made it because I got 37 points in the Century Gollum game. She did not win. I won, which never happens. But yeah, she was fading pretty hard. I could tell by the look on her eyes, you know, when your eyes get heavy. She made it. She was awake at least, which is better than you've done before. I don't know if that's good for our sleep schedule. I didn't nap today, so I'll go to sleep at a good time. I did take a nap, like an hour and a half, which was amazing. Jesus, we're old. We're talking about planning our nap schedule so that we'll get a full night's sleep. What is wrong with us? We are 26. Well, Brian also made fun of me because I watch the TV. I have to turn it up because I can't hear it and I keep on the subtitles. <laughs> you uh, are your own grandpa. He says I'm old. It's because I watch anime, so I'm used to subtitles and it makes it easier to catch small things, especially with things like Black Mirror, where they're British or Scottish or um, Irish are the main three accents. So... Sometimes it's hard to catch what they're saying, and it's easy to have it written right there. Maybe if I had subtitles, you'd actually listen to me. That would likely help, but then it'd be a Black Mirror episode where I would see subtitles every time I heard someone talk, and that'd be terrible. No, just me. I just want you to listen to me. I'm just full of some really good burns tonight. I, yeah, that's a horrible idea. A good burn, but a horrible idea. I can make it work. Give me an etch-a-sketch. Oh, that'd be terrible. <laughs> that would take you forever. You would say, I... Am, and it would just take you an hour just to get a single sentence. At least you'd be focused on what I'm saying. You know I would lose focus immediately <laughs> upon the beginning of you making a sentence. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go in the other room till you're done. Just hear me shaking it violently in the other room. Yeah, having to restart every two seconds, just shake it to erase it. Those are the worst toys. So on that note, I guess we can move into the game of the episode if you want. 
And what game is that? We'll see after the transition. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. So the game we're going to talk about today is a game that we really like to play a lot of. Uh, and we've been playing it more and more because it's on our 10 by 10 if you listened to the end of episode 6. It is Mysterium. Now, Mysterium is a game all about a ghost and some psychics. You all work as a team. I will talk about, let me see real quick. The designer of the game, there's two. It is Oleg Sidor- uh, Sidorenko and Oleksandr Nevsky. That's very impressive. Those are, uh, well, it's a Polish game originally, so I don't know if they're both Polish. Uh, that second name, Oleksandr Nevsky, sounds kind of like Russian or Estonian or something. Under artists and designers. Now, I am getting these this information from Board Game Geek because the box only has the designers and that's it, which is kind of frustrating. But the uh, artists and designers, there's Igor Berlikov, uh, Oleg, one of the designers, Oleksandr, the other designers on there, and then Xavier Colette. The game is released in America through Asmodee, but on the box, it is a company called Libelude, which is a French name. The two L's in the second half of that, it's L-I-B-E-L-L-U-D. The two L's look like a dragonfly or something. So that company is the original production company. So Mysterium is a very high quality production. Cards are amazing. All the pieces are good. Artwork is beautiful. So if any of you have played a game like Dixit, I actually think this company brought Dixit out. I think it was the original company to produce Dixit. But if you've played Dixit, it's similar in that it has very large, like, tarot-sized cards that have very strange artwork a lot of the times. Like, it'll be a mouse on a piece of cheese with, like, a headdress. Or it will be a picture of a building with shadowy figures in the windows, but then there's, like, a key sticking in an apple. Like, just weird stuff on it, and it's done in a very unique style. So the way the game plays is one of the players is the ghost. They can't give any clues by word. They can't help the other players at all who are psychics. So the ghost has this almost like a DM screen. So something blocking the players from your view. And as the ghost, every turn, you will give a psychic a card that points to either a person, place, or thing. So the theme of the game is you're the ghost that has been murdered, and these psychics are trying to determine who murdered you, where they murdered you, and with what object. So it's very much clue meets Dixit. You give them a card, everybody has to try to find the person first. Each one will have their own person. So you give each person one or more cards, and then you refill your hand, give the next one one or more cards, and try to lead them to the people that you have notated on the back of that player screen that's blocking their vision. Once they get the person, you move on to the location. Once they get the location, you move on to the item. Now, we bought the, uh, is it Mysteries and Lies? Something like that. Something and Lies. I cannot remember the name. An expansion for it recently. Secrets and Lies. I can see it on the shelf. Uh, We bought the Secrets and Lies expansion. And what it does is it swaps out the objects, which were like a hammer, a dumbbell, a typewriter, a candle, stuff like that. Swaps those for motive cards. Uh, It also adds some other cards in the game. But the motives made it a little more interesting when it got to that part. Oh, it really did. And I love the artwork on them, too. I think that's just my favorite part. I love the artwork in the game, and it's all interpretation. So you have to, it makes it more fun if you know the people you're playing it with, but it can also be done if you don't know those people. Yes, it's a very, very good game 
to play with people you know because you kind of know how they think. Because, as I said, that the ghost will give the psychics clues to lead to these uh, people, place, and things. Those cards you give, like I said, kind of have an abstractish art on them. Just a lot of different elements. Well, they have to interpret based on what they think you're giving them and what cards are out. So if there are, the cards that are out have like a soldier, a seamstress, a cook, and like a barber. And you give them something with a knife. There happens to be a knife decently prominent in the image. Well, then that knife might likely point toward the barber. But on closer inspection, that knife looks to be laying by a loaf of bread. So that could point to the cook. But next to all of that, there's like a medal. So it could be like a war medal pointing toward the soldier. Then the entire card could have a tint of blue. And the seamstress card might have a lot of blue on it. So it all depends on what you think the clue is you have to interpret it off these cards and it makes it very difficult because it could be anything as the smallest detail to just the color. You have about as much luck and ability as a real life psychic would investigating a murder. Yes, exactly. Just basically pulling stuff out of your butt and just hoping it works. I have to admit though, I'm kind of jaded towards psychics. Well, we'll talk about that in the topic of the episode a little bit more. But speaking of the psychics in the game, once if if everybody gets their person, place, and either item or motive, if you have the expansion, once everyone has those, if you still haven't played all eight rounds, so if you haven't run out of time, you have one final round where everybody places their person, place, and thing in a column. Then you place numbers underneath them. The ghost picks one of those to be the answer, the single answer. And he is able to reveal three cards that point to the person, place, and thing. One of those cards has to be the person, one the place, one the thing. The hard part about this is, during the game, let's say Haley makes a guess of the cook, and two other people say, okay, you're correct. They have some little tokens they can put, saying, I think that your guess is correct. If it is indeed correct in that scenario, they get to move up the psychic track. What that means is, they get to see more cards before they make their final vote on which of those rows at the end or which of those columns at the end is the answer. Basically, if you don't guess anybody's correct, if you don't guess correctly at all, but you still get your items, then at the end, you get to see one of the three cards the ghost puts out, and then you have to make a guess on one of those columns of answers. The next person, if they surpass the two-card mark, they get to see two of those cards before voting, and then the three. So the better you are at guessing if your other sidekicks are correct or not, the more likely chance you're going to have to get the correct answer at the end. Then everybody votes. If the majority of the votes point toward the correct answer, everyone wins, including the ghost. If they do not, everyone loses, and the ghost is not able to pass on to the afterlife. If you even make it that far. The hard part is, especially on the hard difficulty that we've been playing it, it's tough to make it that far. But this game is just a blast. You hand out these cards, they're awesome art, you have to interpret, like, what are they thinking? Oh, well, this one's got some water. Well, this, there's a bathtub here. Well, the ghost may be pointing to that bathtub, but he may have not noticed there's a boat in another photo or a fish in another photo. And so it can be really difficult as the ghost to figure out from a hand of seven what card to give somebody and what detail am I looking at and what are they going to interpret? And it just makes it a blast to do. It's difficult and it can be frustrating, but it is so much fun to be able to deal out these cards and let people just kind of writhe and wriggle around the answers and just have so much trouble with it trouble with it especially when delton is the ghost 
I tend to bounce around in my type of clues. Some people think I'm going to be really just lackadaisical about it and pick the color or a super obvious thing, but then I'll take a turn and I'll pick something very specific and it just doesn't work. And I don't know. We struggle a little bit. Haley has me down. She knows exactly what I'm doing. Last time we played this game, so not last night, but the time before we played with just Brian and Jessica, every time you gave me a clue, I got it. So like the third round in, I had all my clues picked out and ready. Then last night, I only missed one. By the fourth round, I had all my stuff picked out and ready whenever Delton's the ghost. Because we are in tune. We are one in spirit. Yeah, she really knows how to uh, pick up the signals I'm throwing down with those cards, which is really nice. But the game's super fun. As a psychic, it's really hard to interpret those. The cards with the people or locations on them have so much detail in them. For example, the chef, there's like a ladle. And then there's some cheese and like some cheese wire, but there's also a picture with like a horse and a carriage in it. And then there's some sort of hat and then a tablecloth. And there's all these little details that can point to different things on the card the ghost gives. I just realized I've never been the ghost before in that game. You have not. We need to let you do that. I usually take it over just because I know it really well. And Brian's done it a couple times. But if you want to do that next time, we'll totally do that. I'm going to do terribly. Most likely, but that's okay. Brian will no longer complain about you doing it, though. I mean, unless you just do amazingly, amazingly well, I should say, and then he'll just want you as the ghost all the time. I do wonder, though, if I'm going to have the same connection giving you clues as I do you giving me clues. I highly doubt it. I am terrible at interpreting things that people give me in that game. Just every time I mess it up. You're terrible at interpreting social skills in general. That's also a fair point. I got some really good burns tonight. Yes, you do. Do you still love me? (laughs) Eh, We'll see at the end 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 of the podcast, we'll tell. Okay. End. But the game's super awesome. I highly recommend checking out Mysterium. If you like Dixit, or if you don't know what Dixit is, Dixit's another art interpretation game, but it's competitive. Everyone's competing against each other. Uh, you basically play one of these artsy cards, make a statement, a word, a sentence, whatever, and everyone has to pick something that matches from their hand, and then they have to try to vote which one was yours. And you don't want everyone to vote for yours, but you also don't want no one to vote for yours. So it's kind of a similar idea in a way. The cool thing is you can actually use the Dixit cards with Mysterium to throw a mixture in there. So that's really neat. But Mysterium is fantastic. It's very good. I'm pretty sure that like Barnes and Noble carries it. I think so. Didn't Target have it as well? I'm not sure if Target did. They should, but I don't know if they do. But it's a really good game. I mean, just pick it up. It's fantastic. It's one of our favorites. Um, It's just fun to play any kind of game that's like, you know, ghosty sidekick. You can't read all the signs. Those kind of things with interpretation, plus it's cooperative, so everyone's trying to work together. There's just so so much fun. The only problem is, I would say one downfall for sure, is it's a lot of setup. Because you have to shuffle the cards, dish the cards. Like, you shuffle them, deal out your number of cards, you have to find that number in the other stack. And there are a crap ton of cards. There's a lot of cards, which is also good because variability. The game is never the same, which is awesome. Just every time. But I would really recommend you guys pick that up, or check it out somewhere at a local shop, or you know, local game cafe or anything. But speaking of psychics and ghosts and all that kind of stuff, we wanted to move into the topic from here and talk a little bit about why ghosts and psychics and stuff make such a good theme for a board game and also why they're both bullshit. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. So before we get too far into this, we are going to pour our second beer for the evening. Oh, I meant to start with this one. Well, it's okay. So I know we've had Anthem Brewing Company a lot on the show because it's our favorite, as we've said. This is the Anthem IPA. 
It is 6.5 alcohol by volume. It's just very good. I really love on the back. It says floral, resinous, hoptastic, fruity and dark hop aroma, a clean malty backbone, and just the right amount of bitterness merge into, what does that say? Oh, it's an H? Oh, geez, this font is terrible. Into this tasty creation. It says it pairs well with barbecue, salmon, aged, sharp cheddar, can't hardly read this font, and pancakes. I don't know who has an IPA with breakfast, but they are living the life. Oh my god, that sounds wonderful. Doesn't well, it? I went to that uh, one Pancakes and booze? Well, there, that too. But uh, I went to that restaurant in Vegas. The one that we have the magnet on the refrigerator for, it says, eat like a king, drink like the village idiot. Yes. And all of their breakfast food was paired with beer. And so, poor Riley, I went to Vegas with my sister. Uh, she invited me along before she found out she was pregnant. And then lo and behold, she was about a month and a half pregnant whenever we went on the trip. So naturally, I had to drink for three now, being that she couldn't. She was with child. I had to drink for three. But we would go to this breakfast joint in our hotel room, our hotel, that had, like I said, beer pairings with breakfast. And so I would always have a stout with my pancakes or whatnot. But I don't think I had a, I can't, I think that, I don't think I had a uh, IPA with pancakes with breakfast. It really doesn't mesh in my head. I don't know. I don't know if it's the contrast of the bitter with the sweet. Because, I mean, Anthem's IPA is very smooth for an IPA. The bitterness is not that extreme which is why I can actually sit and drink it, unlike most IPAs. But I don't really see an IPA fitting with pancakes, but maybe we just need to try it on the next Lazy Sunday. Or the next Lazy Monday. Only if I didn't have to work on Monday. Same. So, like I said before, little uh, cheers there. Like I said before, we're moving into why ghosts and psychics and stuff make such a good board game topic and why they're also bullshit. My personal reasoning of why I think ghosts, especially make a good board game topic. Most people have watched Ghost Hunters. They have watched a psychic on TV talking to the spirit realm. Chip coffee. There you go. They... John Edwards. Oh my gosh. There's always something. Everyone has seen something about ghosts. They've always watched videos of, ooh, ghost sighting or potential sighting or spooky stories. It's something that we want to believe in so hard that I think it makes for a great topic because we know friends that are like, I saw a ghost one time. It was a dude and he was wearing black and it was the back of the auditorium when all the lights were out and no one was around and I was already terrified. It's something that we hear about. People hear, tell you these stories. They burn sage in their house and, you know, they have exorcists come to exorcise the demons of the home. Just bring in an elliptical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or a stair stepper, I guess. Make him walk those stairs down to hell. Ooh. Anyway, that's a pretty good one. Um, it's something that we hear about. Our friend, you know, people say they've had experiences. And so it's it's something that, it's better than the standard fantasy, because in standard fantasy, no one has seen an elf or an orc or a hobbit or a halfling or a dragon. But ghosts is something people claim to have seen. So it almost attaches a little bit of realism, even though we know it's not. Does that make sense at all? It does. I think so. Yeah. And so it's something that we want. A lot of people want to be real, that they believe it's real. So it makes a better topic for games because we get to experience it kind of. I also think people want it to be real because whenever we think of ghosts, we think of like the ghost of our grandfather. And so part of us is like, oh, there's still some hope that I can connect with this lost, long lost loved one. So I think that's another reason why people want to believe that ghosts are real, because it does provide a sense of comfort. It does provide a sense of relief and it allows us to grieve if we know, quote unquote, that our loved ones are 
not in pain anymore because the psychic told us so. It's not like the ghosts in the board game Ghost Stories, where they're all creepy and they're attacking the town and all that stuff. Those are a little bit more extreme. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I'm sure those ghosts are just as likely to come up as my dead grandpa. Knowing your family, you never know. Oh, God. Burn! (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh, that was really bad. (laughs) Anyway, I think it just makes a good topic. It's something fun. People like it. I mean, if you tell someone, hey, we're going to go watch a scary movie, people like those kinds of things. You know, I mean, it's almost crazy to think about that we enjoy scary movies. I think one of the best scary movies that have been created in the past 20 years has been the first paranormal activity. And it was because the suspense. To me, it imitates what people think with real ghosts. I want to see something. And it Something's going to happen. It's like real life, too. With the way they filmed it. Yeah, exactly. But it's the whole time. It's that suspense. It's you with that tension. You're I want to see it. It's going to happen here. Oh, there's nothing. Oh, there's going to see something happen. Oh, it's going to happen. And then nothing happens. And I feel like that is every ghost tour you've ever been on. Every ghost TV show you've ever watched is building that suspense as much as possible before they just say, oh, oh, I guess it's not haunted. We debunked it. And then they leave. Every one of the ghost tours I have ever been on has had that suspense, except for that one we took in the middle of the day in Indianapolis. Wasn't really a ghost tour, but it was. He was like, that building there, a dude died. And that was basically the tour. (laughs) But you could probably say that about any building. Hopefully, hopefully not ours, though. I don't think ours. Our house? Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, it wouldn't matter. Ghosts aren't real. Bam. But I'm sitting right here. I can't tell if that's a a joke because you're so pale and pasty or if that's just. You're just pasty. (laughs) <laughs> it's okay. Basically. So something we wanted to talk about with this topic. So in Mysterium, it is ghost, ghosts and psychics. Now, something that we don't see often in board games are psychics. Psychics, not sidekicks. Psychics are underused in the board game industry. I think a well-done board game that uses psychics could be fantastic if they do it correctly. It's just a fun theme. Everybody's like, hey, look, I'm going to read your palms. I'm going to look into my orb of mystery. And it's just kind of interesting, and they could do it really well. And I think that's something people think psychics are real. Ding, 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 they're not. But people think psychics are real. One fun thing, Haley is going to go into a little uh, spiel and soapbox about why psychics aren't real, because this is always interesting to me. So I have this professor, Dr. Lack. He is one of my favorite people on this planet. But he has gone to, like, psychic meetups in the past and done cold readings for people in the crowd. So what he'll do is he'll go up and say, hey. I'm, he goes under Kale Black whenever he does a psychic reading. Hey, I'm Kale Black. I'm a psychic. Let me, you know, connect with you, one of your past loved ones. And so he'll do a cold reading and say, this person, you know, it was a he, significantly older man. I'm getting the word, getting a letter J, getting a letter J. J in his name. Oh, oh, okay. His middle name was John. Okay. So this must be, oh, this is your, your grandfather. Oh, so he died something with his chest. Something was his chest. Oh, he had lung cancer. Oh, this, this must be him. He says that he passed on very suddenly. Okay, yes, he died very suddenly. He liked to wear flannel shirts. And after a while, these people a lot of times are in tears. And Lackland will also do this in his classroom. Like he will, in his uh, skepticism class, he'll do cold readings to students. And students will just bawl because they believe they're being connected with the loved one. Well, here's the thing. What Lack is doing is completely 
bullshit. It's called a cold reading. And Lack knows this. Lack's not just doing it because he's trying to get money or trying to convince people. He's doing it to show people that cold readings are bullshit. And a while back, my mom's birthday, she's obsessed with the psychic medium, Teresa... What is it? Teresa... I think it's Caputo. Teresa Caputo, yeah. I think that's right. The Long Island medium. Mom just loves her, so my sister and I pulled together money and we got her tickets to the show. Then my sister had to go off and have a baby and be like, hey, I can't take mom to the show, so you have to go now. So I go to the show. And the whole time, what this woman is doing is she's calling out to members of the audience. She's putting her hands up over the audience and saying, I'm feeling an old man who has passed away. I'm I'm feeling a middle-aged woman who has passed away. People would raise their hands. She had curly brown hair. People put their hands down, hands still raised. She wore this necklace, people's hands still raised. And then just start giving these vague details until, after all, she'd just have one or two people with their hands raised. And then she'd start going into details of this person's life. And if the person was like, okay, this person, they lived here in Oklahoma. They're very close to you. They raised you. They're like a mother figure. Oh, they're an aunt. So they're like your mother to you. And people would say yes, and she'd keep going. If at any point the person would say, no, that's not quite it. She'd say, oh, I must be having interference from over here. The lights would go off on that person, and she'd go across the stadium and start talking to another person, as if that person just never happened. So she just brushed off the inaccuracies and never addressed them and just kept on going to other people. Now, this wouldn't be a bad thing if this was like a party trick, but the thing is, for the nosebleed section seats that I bought for my mom because I was a poor grad student at the time, those little sons of bucks were about 90 bucks a piece. And that's before, like, fees and whatnot. So this woman is charging out the ass for these cold readings that are just bullshit that Lack can do in his classroom. If he didn't have morals, he would make a lot of money. Yeah, it's terrifying that people believe in these things. And I get it. You want to believe in things that are greater than you. You want to believe in things that are unexplainable. But you have to look at the fact of it. And psychics are not real. That's the problem. It's all bullshit. They do what they can to make money off of you, but they will not admit it. I would love... For an email release, a leak of some sort, WikiLeaks, go after the Long Island medium. I want to see her confess it in an email to someone. It's really sad, though, because people really want grief and closure. I mean, that's what my mom went. She wanted to talk to my grandpa. She wanted that closure. People don't realize that uh, there's a whole entire science of therapy that is made for this, and they don't think that that's real a lot of times, but they'll go to a psychic. That always blows my mind. And people do want to get closure, and it's good if it helps them. But at some point, they need to realize that it's not what it seems. It's the wool over their eyes, you know, sort of thing. I would say that I didn't really care for going to Teresa Caputo, but A, I had a fun time with my mom. I got to see someone that she really likes and really admires. And it gave me the material that I used to write the audition piece for my Lost Ogle position, my contributor position. That's very true. Haley writes for a local satirical news website called The Lost Ogle. Here in Oklahoma, we have three ogles now that are in the news stations. There's Kelly Ogle, Kent Ogle, four? Yeah. Kelly, Kent, Kevin, uh, Kevin, and Abigail. Abigail. So three brothers. And are they all twins, or is it just Kelly and Kent? I have no idea. They look so close. But those four ogles, is their last name O-G-L-E? Is that right? They have been around for a long time, and they're basically famous in terms of Oklahoma news. So the lost ogle is just kind of a play on that, saying it's a missing child. But it's a satirical site. It's really funny. It's all Oklahoma politics, pretty much. And Haley writes, uh, contributes to it. Yeah. And so that gave me, I wrote a piece on 
the ridiculousness of the Teresa Caputo show. And that's what got me my, my uh, contributor spot there, which is pretty cool. So I can't say it was all in vain, but still makes me really salty whenever I think about how much money she's pulling from these helpless people. Yeah, people that are wanting to do something to benefit themselves. They want closure. They want to have that last bit of contact so they can relax kind of thing, you know, have that final bit of grievance. And then she's just raking in the dough off of it. Now, given, I guess if you look at it through the money side, psychology also is going to charge you money to do that. However, psychology is not lying to you. I think that's the difference. And it works. And it works, as the science and statistics prove. And it is not, even though you call it a soft science, it's still a goddamn science, okay? It's a hard science. Exactly. People call it soft science, though. Older people. Those people are communists. They are now communists. Boom. Red scare. Red scare. Attack. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) So you know why people believe psychics? Because they're bored? Well, if you believe the Black Mirror episode, so there's this Black Mirror episode where this guy is in a video game in a haunted house, and the woman tells him that in the 1800s, people are more likely to believe in ghosts and see ghost sightings because they're under-simulated, so their brains are playing tricks on him. I don't know if that's true or not, and I'm too lazy to have Googled it already, so I'll get back to you on that. But a lot of the reason why people believe in ghosts are, or believe psychics, is your confirmation bias. So think about it. If you have already paid $80 to a psychic, then you're more likely to believe that that psychic is legit and think that they're not legit. So if you paid that psychic $80 and they give you five pieces of correct information and five pieces of incorrect information, you're more likely to believe the five pieces of correct information because you've already invested that $80 into them. Now, if you were to believe that five pieces of incorrect information, then that would be almost saying something about yourself because you're quote-unquote stupid enough to have paid $80 for a fake psychic. So we're more likely to ignore the information. Whenever you buy that $80, you spend that $80 for that psychic, you're already walking into that situation believing this person's going to help me grieve and connect with my dead loved one. And so you're going to believe that correct information over that incorrect information. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, It'd be the same kind of situation if I said, you know what, I think giraffes are not as tall as everyone thinks. And then somehow I find a like a giraffe that has like dwarfism or a shorter neck and I go, boom, that confirms that giraffes aren't as tall. And I just pretend like the one thing ignoring all other evidence makes my statement true. You just find a bunch of baby giraffes. <laughs> like you see this giraffe? Yeah, that's full size. Mm, I swear I've seen it with my own eyes. And then that's how ghosts are. You sound more and more like you d- your dad as you went on with that sentence. I tried to and then I didn't know what I was doing. So I tried to stop it before it got too crazy and I turned into my father. It sounds like the trajectory of your life. Uh, Let's not. (laughs) Let's not. It's fine. Anyway, yeah. So confirmation bias. And it makes perfect sense. You say, you know what? I think psychics might be real. I'm going to pay to go see one. And then they confirm half. They have half true statements that they make and half incorrect statements. You're only going to view the true statements. To me, that is very similar to what a lot of people think about, like, um, I don't know, violent crime, robbery. They're like, you know, this city, there's nothing but bad people in this city. And you're like, it's only one in every, like, you know, 2,000 people that have an issue. That's not that bad. And then Chicago. Yeah, like, well, Chicago's like, you have a chance every year of one in 180 people or something like that to have violent crime against you. I mean, given that's the worst crime rate, (laughs) I guess Detroit, that's Detroit. I'm saying Detroit. 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 No, not yeah. I'm not French. It's pronounced Detroit. I don't believe you for a minute. It is. It's founded by French. No one from French. Detroit has ever said that unless uh, they are uh, French. Caitlin did. Well, Detroit. Anyway. Detroit. 
it's kind of the same thing. You see one bad statistic, even though it's like a fraction of the good, and you think the bad is the 100% truth. And so that kind of makes sense. It really confirms your bias. That's the whole point of confirmation bias. You say, you know what, I think this is right. And then you find any statistic that supports it. And you're like, yeah, that's totally right now. Well, people are so easily fooled as well. I mean, we all are. It's not just people who believe in psychics. We all are susceptible to being fooled. And we are daily. No, that makes sense. I try to catch it any time I can, but you never know. You really would just have to stop your entire life for a second and analyze everything to figure it out, I feel like. Well, it's just like how grocery stores are outlined. They're, they're outlined to trick us into buying more things. People often need to go to the grocery store for your perishables because we, we're normally stocked up on our non-perishables, like our canned food, our rice, our pasta, whatever the heck else you have. And so we, we go to the grocery store most often for our perishables, which are our eggs, our butter, our milk. And where is that kept? At the very back of the store. So you have to walk through every aisle, walk past every aisle to get to the milk, eggs, and the butter, and whatnot. So as you're walking past those aisles, you're like, oh, I forgot, you know, little Edgar, your child's name is Edgar, needed chips for his class tomorrow. Or, I forgot we're out of paper towels. And so as you're going back to the, back to pick up the necessities, you're thinking of, you're being triggered by all these things that you quote-unquote need to be picked up. So we're controlled in every single way. That's very true. I would love to see a grocery store swip it, swip it. <laughs> swap it to where the front is the eggs and the milk and the bread and everything and then the back is all the uh, non-perishables and toilet paper i would love to see that i wonder how much business they would not gain versus normal or if people would prefer it because they don't have to walk all the way to the back and front because we're lazy as humans and just think about it, like all the quick grab stuff is right there in the aisle so you're standing in the aisle there's all that candy all that soda the same candy is sold in bulk for like two dollars more about Eight aisles back, but we're standing in line and we see that Reese's Peanut Butter Cup 2-pack for $1.89. We're like, hell yeah, I need that right now. Impulse buying. If they ever did that and it was board games at the checkout line, I would be ruined. Target, do not take any ideas, please, for the love of God. I already directly deposit my paycheck to your store every two weeks, please. Not, well, the Target's for groceries, though. Board games come from, like, cool stuff. I know, but the thing is, stores. I already spend so much money at Target. If they started putting up board games in Target and, like, the the quick grab aisle, then we're all dead. The good thing is I own most of the board games I want from Target. So that helps. Right now, they keep getting more. That's true. That's also might be a problem later. It'll be okay. We'll get it figured out. So now I think we should move on into the question of the episode so we can wrap this baby up so we can go watch some TV and go to bed because it is Sunday and I am tired. I gotta be up at five in the morning to do workouts. That sounds gross. Gonna climb them stairs, baby. Ugh, well... To get you prepared for that, let's go to that question. And now, join us for a Malt House Games podcast special bite-sized question. So for the question today, this is something that me and Haley, as Western Oklahoman, you know, I guess Oklahoma's the South. I always feel like it's the Midwest mixed with the South. It's more Midwestern geographically, but it's Southern in mentality, but it kind of wants to be Midwestern in the younger generations. It's does that make any sense at all? Yes. Okay. Anyway, we have this thing. Our parents, ever since we were young, tell us two things not to do. Never, ever watch The Exorcist. And never, ever play with a Ouija board. So the question today for both of us is, at the age of 26, after going through college, me with a bachelor's, you with a master's degree, 
Would you, at this point in time, ever play with a Ouija board? Hell no, I would not. I won't. (laughs) It is embedded inside of us that we can't touch Ouija boards. We can't break it. And here's the thing. I was raised strict Catholic, and Dalton was raised completely without religion. Yet still, both of us have it so deeply ingrained in us to not play with Ouija boards that as grown-ass adults, we cannot even walk past it in Target without commenting, huh, there's a Ouija board. Like, I always wanted the one that was Supernatural-themed, because I love the show Supernatural. But, like, I know it's bullshit. Somebody's moving the piece. It's one of you doing it. Like, it's, you know, everybody knows that. But I just can't bring myself to go against what my mother and father both ingrained into my brain from the time I was a small child, which is no Ouija board and no Exorcist, which I still want to watch, but I won't do it because of mom, damn it. See, here's the thing. It makes sense for me because I was raised strict Catholic. So, of course, you're going to be anti-Exorcist because exorcisms in the Catholic faith are a real thing. Like, it's something that they teach you about in your religious education not, classes. Yeah, not that exorcisms are real, but they teach it as if it is real. As if it is a real yes. thing in the, in the Catholic faith. And so, oh, take a drink. There's a cat. There's Steve in the background lately. We haven't pointed him out because he's annoying. If you hear that after post and Hershey coughing, take a drink of water, coffee at work, tea. If you're at beer in the evening, just whatever you want to do. Steve's needing some attention, which is good because we're almost done. Continue. Yeah, so being Catholic, it makes sense for my family to warn me against Ouija board. So they don't want you to bring the demons into the house because then you got to call the priest over and the priest is normally drunk on Saturday nights. And so it's a big hassle to get someone to drive him over there to do the exorcism. And then you have to be up for church early in the morning anyway. And so you're up night at night getting thrown up on by a demon as the priest is performing the exorcism. Just a mess for the whole family. They just wanted to avoid it. Exactly. I mean, it's just I can't say anything else. It's <laughs> it's one of those things. It's just built into us not to do it. And I just don't think I can. Not that I judge anybody for doing it. It's just a, a board game like any other. I mean, it's a boring ass board game. It's only used to spook people. But yeah, but I mean, you know, something I just can't seem to do. And why can't you do it? I mean, you were raised literally without religion. Well, you have to think. My brother was the outside athletic one. I was the inside chubby kid that was sick and almost died at two. So I was sick all the time, stayed inside with mom and read books. So anything mom said was the rule. It didn't matter what dad said. It was what mom said more than anything. And she always said, we don't watch The Exorcist and we don't play with the Ouija board. I couldn't tell you why and i think it was just the way she grew up but we need to ask her maybe because she was raised in religion it's so ingrained in her not to and so she she passed it to you like screw the religion you don't need religion but sure as hell you do not need the ouija board yeah i think that's probably it but i just can't can't bring myself to do it which is why i still don't own one even though i have a large board game collection but i guess that wraps this episode up pretty nicely if you would please give us a like a share Give us a rating and subscribe to us. This has been the Malthouse Games Podcast, Episode 8. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. I am on Twitter and Facebook at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. Haley is on Twitter as... Squirrely Geek, S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-L-Y-G-E-E-K. And then she's on Facebook as Haley Brack, or Haley Twyman Brack. All the names. However your Facebook is. Every name. We also have an email, contact at malthousegames.com. We would love it if you guys would comment on stuff, send us a tweet, a Facebook post, 
you know, message us, send us an email, anything like that would be amazing, especially if you could please like our page, like, you know, follow us on Twitter, help us get out there a little bit to hopefully bring people into the hobby and bring some enjoyment to everyone. That would be great. But until next time, I think we can just happily tell you guys to sit back, relax, have a drink, and play some games. Thank you. See you soon. See you, everyone. See you, everyone.